Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. No parent wants to get a call saying that their child is in danger, or worse. As a society, we have a duty to ensure that our youth are safe and have a healthy environment to grow up in. And as of today, where are kids spending the most time? You got it, schools. Statewide, the conversation about school safety has increased significantly since the Covenant shooting in March that claimed seven lives. Arming teachers and installing highly secure doors are some of the ideas that have been proposed but the idea that has gained the most traction is the use of school resource officers, a.k.a. SROs. The state of Tennessee even allocated Monday money to fund them. So, but there's a rub. Some think that SROs don't make schools safer and can create harm for some students. It's a test that we all have to take and none of us can afford to fail. Later on this hour, we'll talk with a high school student, juvenile court judge, a school administrator, researcher, and an SRO supervisor about SROs and school safety. But first, kids in Metro Nashville are returning to classrooms today. WPLN's education reporter Alexis Marshall is here to give us an update. Alexis, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so you got up bright and early this morning mm-hmm. to talk to some students about their first day back in class. Go ahead and, you know, tell us about it. What was their energy like? Set the scene for us. And also, what did you wear? Because the first day of school, your outfit is a big, important thing. Yeah, styling and profiling. Uh, I wore a button down and my press badge. Well done. Uh, <laughs> But it was just exciting. Kids were really eager to get back in class and meet their new teachers and like get this new school year started. I talked to Noah Ellis at Inglewood Elementary School this morning, who is starting the fourth grade. And here's some of what he shared with me. Well, I'm pretty excited because I went here for summer school and I think I'm going to make some new friends. I like math because... um, you can, uh, like, add stuff and learn new things. And, and with art, you can be creative. You're going to be on the radio. What do you want people to know about your school? That's an amazing school. And I like everything about it. Doesn't his little voice just, mm-hmm. like, make you want to smile? Yes. Um, so it was super fun getting to see all of these kids walk into school, uh, a lot of them waiting with their parents, and... It can also be a little bit of a nerve-wracking day, so I did see a few tears. Um, But on the whole, teachers and kids just seemed really happy to be back together again. No, it sounded really cool. I remember fourth grade. My fourth grade teacher, Miss Sheckman, she was brand new to the school, and we thought she was so cool because she pulled up at a Trans Am. Ooh. Yeah, and her boyfriend would pick her up on his motorcycle sometimes. The <laughs> coolest fourth grade teacher you ever had. Okay, so, you know, kids, they've had a couple months off from school. What's new for students returning to the classrooms today? Yeah, of course, most kids are advancing to their next grade level, but there are at least 70 or so third graders who are starting this year over due to the state's new literacy policy. Um, And there's also a big portion of fourth graders who are going to be required to participate in tutoring for the full next school year, Um, about one out of every five uh, fourth graders in metro schools. And the district is actually still recruiting more volunteers to do that tutoring. 
Um, there's also some new school buildings opening, so some kids are going to be walking into brand new facilities today. There's new school smell. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked with a principal at a school. How's she feeling about this upcoming school year? Yeah, the principal at Inglewood Elementary said that the first day of school for her is, like, better than Christmas, better than her birthday. Um, it's just, like, the best day of the year for her. Um, she also says that she thinks this year is going to be the year that kids fully ba- bounce back from the social impacts of COVID. Um, in previous years, there was, of course, the issue of kids falling ba- behind, like, academically, Um, But there were also some signs that they had really missed out on how to behave in the classroom, some of like their social cues, interacting with peers. So she said that there was a lot of improvement last year and this year she's looking forward to kids getting back to fully where they were before the pandemic. You know, this time last year, there was a lot of conversation. We were hearing a lot about teacher shortages is just tell us how is staffing going this year? Well, there are still quite a few openings. WSMV reported um, that there are about 170 vacancies for teaching positions, um, and that's not including additional openings for support staff positions like bus drivers, cafeteria workers in metro schools. Uh, But a spokesperson said that they do have the staffing that they need um, to continue operating schools and that in a district as big as metro, those vacancies are bound to happen. In some places, they've been staffing up uh, some new positions, like in Rutherford County, where they're bringing on personnel specifically to deal with behavior issues. Um, Rutherford County has hired nearly 20 new behavior interventionists for elementary schools to help deal with kids who are maybe acting up in class and, if needed, like pull them out of the classroom to teach their lessons separately. Um, They've also hired some new vice principals for older grades to specifically focus on behavior. Then later on the show, we're talking about school resource officers. How, How have they done filling vacancies? In Metro, they are still working on it. So Metro Police sent an update this morning that they're still hiring for 28 SRO positions um, with a goal to have a total of 60 hired by early September. In the meantime, they're covering schools with officers from their school safety initiative. Um, The plan is to have two SROs at every high school and one at every middle school. Um, this morning at Inglewood Elementary, there was a uniformed officer there who said she was there on a floating basis for the first couple of weeks to just offer extra support as needed. Well, we're going to hear a lot more about school resource officers after the break. Thank you for bringing us this update. Alexis Marshall is WPLN's education reporter. Alexis, thanks again. Thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll look at the current responses to threats against schools and learn how one high school student views school resource officers. Does your child attend a school that uses an SRO? How do you feel about it? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Lake Colonna, and this is Nashville. I'm sure if you ask, most kids will say summer break was way too short. That's always been the case, right? As the new academic year kicks off here in Davidson County, goals of learning and achievement are prioritized. They also share a spot with keeping students safe. 
For decades, our society has been grappling with how to increase safety. And after the Covenant shooting in March, our state has been discussing the issue. School resource officers are a solution proposed by some, but are they the only way to protect schools? What's their relationship like with students? Well, my next guest can tell us about his experience. Israel Perez is a high school senior and former guest of the show. Israel, thanks for being here. Welcome back to This Is Nashville. Thank you for having me. It feels like home. Yes, sir. It should be. You know, uh, it's first day of school. How are you feeling? Oh, I feel good. And you know, it's different. A lot of uh, adjustments to be doing after like three months off. You know, you kind of have to adjust back to your routine every night, every day. It's a big change for you. This is your final year of high school. Are you are you hyped and ready for your senior year? Of course, I'm ready to take on a leadership role. Okay, all right. Now, now tell me this: Do you feel safe at your school? Yes. Why? Because I know, I know, I walk into school and I know who's going to be protecting me at all times. Again, you, you we're talking about school resource officers and all that, and I know the school resource officers. They're like, they're like the uncles at a cookout. You could talk to them. You, you get to know them. They, I love them. Like they're they're like they're they're like family at that point. Well, do you like them being there? They're like family for you. How? What was it like? Like creating that familiar relationship with them? Don't get me wrong. It's a little scary talking to a police officer. You mean you obviously see a gun and a badge. You're like, whoa, you know, like give it a second. But when you start to get to know them and they kind of they kind of go out there, they, they make themselves known that, hey, I'm here to protect you guys. But not only that, I'm here for you guys no matter what. When, when I don't have a person to tie my tie, they're there. They help you tie your tie. Of course. Nice. So what are the, some of the – give me – make us privy to some of the conversations you have with them. Um – I think one of them was uh, I had thoughts of even going into the police academy. And I, I literally sat there and I talked to them and I was like, oh, what do you need to do? Like, what steps do you need to take leading up trying to get into the police academy? He sat down and told me his experience and what he needed to do. He was like, obviously, it's different because times have changed. But he was there and helped me with that. Um, his name was Officer Powell. And then Officer Gallen, he has a fraternity called Kappa League. Um, I've been... I'm in the process of joining Kappa League and becoming a, a part of that fraternity. And he sits down and he brings all the kids in, orders pizza, and he just talks about what to expect in the, the Kappa League, how to be grown men and how to become men. Because a lot of us don't have that father figure in our life and we're able to look up to him as a father or uncle figure or stuff like that. So you have this potential, you have this, this, this uh, masculine fatherly role in life. But you also talked about how it can be intimidating for anybody, not only young people, but for adults to talk to a police officer. I wonder what their reputation with your peers and other students is like. Honestly, as far as I know, I see everyone joking around with them. They, 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 they have a good reputation. They don't have, I mean, yeah, you'll see things where they break up fights and all that, but what school doesn't have fights? What school doesn't have its improperness, right? Like it. There's always going to be fights. There's always going to be that. But their relationship with us is just, it's its out of this world with adults as well, administrators. Like, they're just like another family. Do you feel like your school got lucky with the SROs you all have? Most definitely. Most definitely. Now, talk to me about their presence after Covenant. Do you Was their presence reevaluated after the Covenant shooting? Yes, it was. It was just like, before, it was just, we kind of dusted them off. You never knew it was going to hit Nashville like that. You never knew the school was going to, there was going to be a school shooting. But... It, they helped us, like, they helped reassure us that we're here and we're here to make sure you're safe. Not only that, when the Covenant shooting did happen, we had four to five police cars outside of our school. Mm -hmm. So not only that, they, they made their presence known that, hey, we're here, we're going to be the first ones jumping into the fire. What did they say to you? Honestly, 
you would have they didn't say anything publicly to us but i went up to them because again the school shooting was a very touchy topic even after the topic we had when i came on for uh that episode it was mm -hmm. a very touching topic and i talked to them about it and they just said look it's nothing's going to be perfect in the world but as long as we do our job and we're able to protect you guys we know we've done the best we can I'd like to bring in my next guests. I would like to bring them into the conversation. Jonathan Bracco is an assistant principal at a, at a local charter school, and Mac Hardy is the director of operations for the National Association of School Resource Officers. Thanks to you both for being with us. So, Jonathan, good to have you back. Now, you know, your school, you work with SROs. Tell me about what capacity do you have them do their work? Yeah, we've been really intentional about how we uh, integrate them into the school experience our view is that anything that is handled internally, we want our principals, our assistant principals, our deans of culture responding to those matters. And we ask the school resource officers who are assigned to us by the district to focus on campus security, the perimeter, ensuring that people who may come onto our campus, they can go respond to that. And they've done a really great job of that. Um, I think when you look at this issue, you look at like, where is the school located ge geographically? What are you surrounded by? We are, happen to be near hotels where people that are staying there may just be out on a walk and walk onto the campus, and they have to be ready to go and confront that and make sure that, you know, they're just redirected on where to go. So we try to focus on all disciplinary issues being handled by our school staff and then using them to understand our emergency response protocols, but primarily focus on perimeter safety. Why the focus of that approach? So for us, uh, when we looked at the research, what we kind of found over time once we found out we were going to have SROs is that the data shows that a student is five times more likely to experience a brush with the juvenile justice system if there's an SRO in the building versus when they're not. And when there have been things like school shootings, there is not significant data to suggest that the presence of the SRO has deterred that or they've been able to respond effectively at a, within a certain period of time. So for us, it was like, OK, they're here. And and just to just also anecdotally, like I don't want my students being, you know, when they're eating lunch, I don't want someone with a gun and handcuffs monitoring them. I want us in the room interacting, monitoring, you know, campus safety and then and then not taking the SRO away from the ability to make sure the campus is safe, because if they're integrated so heavily into the school experience, that's less eyes on the outside, making sure that the campus is safe. Do you feel like the SROs don't have a chance to develop relationships like what, what Israel just talked about with the students? Yeah, I think so. It's obviously, yes, they can't de develop the, the level of relationship that Israel has. And I think that's beautiful that they've been able to do that. Um, but we've just intentionally told them, like, you know, when they're when they're out at recess or whatever, you know, we want them to see this person that's keeping the campus safe. And over time, like they, they're there enough that they do meet kids and they get to know their name. And we're intentional about going to tell the students, you know, this is officer so and so. They're here to make sure the campus is safe. They know their purpose. They know what they do. They know that they can go to them if there's an emergency or something that may arise. Um, but we want to keep uh, healthy boundaries and distance as well. I understand. Now, Mac, you were an SRO yourself, and you've also worked as a teacher for years. Now you train SROs nationwide. So you, you have a very un interesting understanding of both of the worlds. What's it like for you having seen it from the teacher side and the SRO side? Well, you know, I had a privilege of being a teacher for eight years before becoming an SRO. And it was, um, 
you know, when I made the adjustment to law enforcement, a couple of years later, I moved to the schools. And, you know, understanding my role as a school resource officer took some specific training um, to work in the school environment. I kind of knew what I was supposed to do as a teacher, not exactly what I was supposed to do as a police officer in that school, because this was in the mid-90s when I started. Um, after receiving um, my, you know, training specific to working in the school environment, you know, I learned my role. And then at the relationships that I'd already had with the you know, administration and the staff inside the school, that really helped me out. Um, so it was a, it was eye-opening. Um, my role was different. I was um, the discipline, as um, your, uh, the gentleman before me just said, is to be left up to the schools. The disciplinary and disciplinary actions um, with students is to be left up to the schools. Resource officers are there for the perimeter protection, um, the protection of the schools. Um, also, but I do think that having the SRO inside the building and they build relationships with these students, as I mentioned, because if you have a properly selected SRO that is specifically trained to work in that environment, we want their positive influences as they build these relationships. That's a proactive measure for school safety when they build these relationships. And then when they're specifically trained, they understand their role. Um, and we feel when they're specifically trained, they can reduce the encounters with law enforcement in a way that requires them to enter the juvenile justice system because we understand that that doesn't solve the problem. Getting to the root of the problem is going to help that student be successful in the schools. And you talked about specific training for SROs. I'm curious, like, what do you think are the characteristics that make for a good and effective school resource officer? Well, first of all, it's somebody that has, it really wants to be there. That's got uh, um, two to three years of experience in law enforcement. So they understand their role in law enforcement, that there is discretion, that every act doesn't require um, somebody being arrested, that somebody that is willing to communicate, let, the, let that bubble down around them, that they can be approachable, they can talk with students, they want to be there, and they like kids. I mean, just as simple as that, they, they like being in that environment, um, which is very important. And that specific training is understanding the adolescent brain development, understanding, you know, how these students in this age group are thinking, what they are doing when they get overwhelmed, when they become under stress, um, and how we can de-escalate these situations without an arrest and help the school environment remain safe and, co you know, appropriate for learning. You know, you said something there, um, aside from understanding the adolescent brain and how that changes, having been a high school teacher, I've been there. But I've also, in my education career, have met people who were teachers who didn't like kids. Thought that was kind of weird and different um, coming from a person. But talk to me about, like, the intriguing aspects of training for SROs. When people are even approaching and interested in the job, what are some of the things that you all put them through to make sure that they're not only good at the job, but they're the right fit for the job? Well, first of all, we, we want them to understand, see if they can go into an environment where they're, when I walk through that schoolhouse door, I've got to understand, it's that administrator's job to set the parameters of what the discipline in that school is going to be. What is their philosophy on discipline? What is their philosophy on education? That's not my role. My role is to make sure that I communicate with them on the creating the safest learning environment possible. Um, they have to understand they have to communicate. They have to be open-minded. They have to 
adapt to the situations they're in, and, and people just aren't capable of doing that. And that makes for a difficult situation in the working environment between a resource officer and the school administration. So that um, is very key when we're uh, talking through these situations. Now, Jonathan, what's talk to me about the vetting process that you all use for the SROs. Were you appointed your SROs or were you able to choose who you worked with? No, so they are a contract partner through the district, and they are assigned to our school. And so the that agency that they're employed with, the security agency, is the, the group that vets them, screens them, and then uh, assigns them to us. Did you have an opportunity to really integrate them into your school's culture? The Not so much the school culture, because when it comes to things like de-escalation or um, building classroom cultures we really focus on teaching the teachers how to do that really well we leverage an assistant principal of students who focus on school culture and then our we have three school counselors and so that we're able to effectively address the needs of students in that way um, but the way that we've integrated them is besides the the campus safety also training them on our campus emergency response protocol so if we go into a drill um, or there's an actual emergency situation they know how we have planned that as a school administration team, and then they they know their role within that too. Talking about emergency situations, we got a tweet in at This Is Nashville from Rachel Kessner. It says, quote, as a person who went to high school during the first wave of SROs in school after Columbine, I can tell you I didn't feel any safer when they appeared in my school. As a matter of fact, my concerns have always included the worry that disabled kids would be seen as cannon fodder in active shooter drills since none of the safety drills seem to consider their presence the, the presence of disabled students in the classroom, end quote. Mac, what's your response to that? Well, that's part of our specific training is that we do have um, a, quite a large block on working with students with special needs. Um, they become very special in the lives of a properly selected SRO who is um, trained to work in that environment. Um, they, they work with those teachers that work with um, the students with special needs. Um, and every student and every staff member, um, you, you may very well have staff members have special needs, um, are considered in developing school safety plans. Um, and, you know, it's important to know that, you know, the school resource officer in the national definition is a um, sworn law enforcement officer that is assigned to a school by um, agency, which would be a municipality or a um, county to work inside that school um, environment. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking this hour about school safety and the use of school resource officers. My guests are Mac Hardy, Jonathan Bracco, and Israel Perez. You can tweet us your thoughts at This Is Nashville. Now, Israel, you guys have, it seems like you guys won the lottery when it comes to SROs. You've got these SROs that are beloved by you and your peers. But do all of your peers feel that way? Or are maybe some of them a little bit uncomfortable with them? You see, I, I can't talk for everyone. I could really only talk for myself, and I could really talk about what I see. So what I see, I mean, like I said, we're, we're really comfortable with them. Obviously, some people are going to be uncomfortable with the fact that there's a gun in the room, that there's handcuffs, or that these people are trained to, to take down people that assault, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to us, it's like we know that they know they have the power. And I want to touch back on what you were saying about the, the, the special ed. The officers are really friendly with the special ed kids. If anything, they'll take time out their day to go sit down with them and even have lunch with them. Like mm -hmm. sometimes they'll have lunch with us. And so, I mean, our SROs, like we, like you said, we hit the lottery with them. We're able to, to feel comfortable with them. 
I understand last year there was an incident where the SROs kind of had to detain someone in front of school. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, there was actually multiple incidents. I there was a de- uh, they got detained inside of school, and then there was another incident where um, someone or two people got detained outside of school. What was the reaction from students to that? Obviously, it was it was it was a little unsettling, even for parents too. I remember my mom or my stepmom uh, kind of freaking out about it, but it was just like. I knew they had it. I knew they 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 had it. They had it going. Mm. We're safe with them. I mean, like I said, um, it, it was it was a little unsettling. Obviously, it's never it's never good news to hear something about someone being detained in front of the school or someone having something in front of them. Now, now, Jonathan, you've had students. Have you had students or families kind of mention that they're really uncomfortable with a S- SRO on on campus? Um, I've mostly had the conversation with the, the teachers that work at my school. Um, family members, for the most part, have because of the distance that we've kept at our school. It's it's like they know they're there, but it's not this big concern. Um, at previous organizations I worked with, though, it was it was you know it was a big deal. If you know if there's a fight, that that to us is not even a signal to call in a police officer. It's mm-hmm. we we've got this. We have people in the building who are restraint trained that know how to when it's appropriate to put hands on kids. Um, it's like a last resort situation. So that's what I've heard from parents in the past. Is you know there's very few people I want putting their hands on my child. Mm-hmm. Now, how can the perception be changed for all of the parties? You know, students, their families, SROs, and school staff. Yeah, I think it just goes back to defining the relationship that you have with the SRO if they're at your school. I think if families and kids um, are and teachers are really clear on what their role is and what their role isn't, then it's then it, it can make you know people who may feel uncomfortable say you know all right at least they're here to cover these things, but everything else is handled internally by my principals. Um, So I think it goes back to understanding, like, what are the buckets of security that they take care of? And to me, it's it's, you know, perimeter safety, knowing our emergency response protocols and then calling them in as support when there's, you know, aftermath to a situation that they may need to be involved with. But um, if we communicate that clearly and we uphold that expectation uh, through our clear communication, as Mac was mentioning earlier, then I think that puts people, you know, a little bit more ease if they know that there's a police officer in the building. You know, I'm interested, Mac, in a lot of critics, they say that the school-to-prison pipeline and SROs really contribute to that problem. How can how can proper training of SROs change that perspective? Well, I think that um, I kind of mentioned that earlier in building those relationships and understanding students and understanding your role inside of that school through a properly um, written MOU is, um, is key. Uh, you know, an SRO that is well-trained, you know, properly selected in the school, let me tell you, they're less likely to make that arrest because they know that's not solving the problem. And sometimes it's unavoidable. Um, as you mentioned, they don't know what situation was out in front of the school when the person had to be detained. Um, but, if I solve the problem, that student be successful in school. I'm not removing him from the school. We do talk about it in our training. If I just make an arrest and they they go to juvenile detention, they're going to be back in that public school within a few days. And you now, did I solve the problem by making the arrest? I'm not sure, but um, I need to solve the problem and keep that child inside that school environment where they belong, um, which is something that we do stress in our training. 
Now, you know, we talked earlier about the developing brains, particularly for middle school and high school students. And I've been there. I've been a teacher uh, for special ed students in Los Angeles for kids who got kicked out of high school. So I had to learn all the restraint techniques and things. We didn't have any SROs on campus. And in many ways, we had to act as that. And we tried as hard as we could not to call the police when an incident went down. I'm trying to figure out, you know, some of the best practices to get everyone on the same page. SROs do play a role in maintaining safety, but as we heard from Israel, you can develop really wonderful and positive relationships from that. I wonder how many students had a particularly negative view of police and SROs until they were able to have a relationship like Israel and some of his peers have with theirs. But at the same time, you do want to prevent the harm and trauma that can be caused, particularly for younger students. So I'd like to hear from everybody. Like, what are what are some of the best practices to get every all of us on the same page with this? Mac, what are you thinking? First of all, when I'm thinking about this, I, I'm thinking about, you know, we do hear of negative um, encounters with law enforcement um, in schools. And I think that a lot of times we see that and we look closer into it. We see that there's somebody that's not properly selected. They they just um, went down into the bucket and they reached as low as they could, and they pulled the person out that may have been low performing um, in other duties and, and placed them in a school. And that is sad to do. I, I asked um, when I teach a supervisor course, I ask them all the time, "Do you have the person in the school that you want your son or daughter to go to? Um, is that the person you want in that school that is interacting with your child?" Um, and that we need to pick the best officers we have and train them properly to work inside the school. Jonathan? Um, I, I, you know, the thing that I go back to is, you know, why, why are we asking the, why aren't we asking the questions of how did we get to the point that police needed to be present in schools in the first place? If we can address some of those root causes and, you know, have security as a, as a backup last resort option. I think that's the most ideal scenario to begin with. So if we could all be, you know, begin with the foundation of the educator's job is to develop the child and we, and security's job is to keep people safe um, because an educator's job is also to keep kids safe. And so with that being said, it's if we can operate from there as a foundation and then find ways to ensure that um, security officers are focused on campus safety and ensuring that people from the outside are not coming into the school. I mean, I think most people can get on the same page as that. And then we can remove the issues of, you know, perpetuating the school to prison pipeline. At the end of the day, if you want to combat that, you can't create elements within a school that look like prison ever. Now, times have changed. As I said, when I was in school, there were no SROs. Um, Israel, have you talked to your mom about SROs? I mean, what have those conversations been like? Honestly, we haven't even sat down and have an in-depth talk about it. But we've talked about, like, how I have a bond with them from day to day, what's going on. And honestly, I want to touch back on what you were saying on how to, like, how to tell people that SROs are not always a bad thing is think about it, we're not always, there's not always going to be an SRO jumping in for every little thing that's happening at your school. It's going to be your administration's half of the time, or majority of the time, I could say, because what administration does is they over there and they de-escalate the situation. SROs are there when something actually happens, when objects start to be thrown or when stuff like that, because those become weapons at that point. That's when the SRO steps in. 
But when a fight happens, yeah, an SRO would break it up from time to time, but half of the time it's your administration throwing their body in front of that fight. So they're not always bad. They're not always looking for trouble to 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 find. No. They're they're gonna be there to help and be there to make sure you're safe. Majority of the time it's gonna be administration. And I promise you, your kid's gonna be safe. I want to thank my guests, high school senior Israel Perez, Mac Hardy with the National Association of School Resource Officers, and charter school vice principal Jonathan Bracco. Thank you all for being here. Really appreciate this. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us again. Thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the greater societal issues with threats against schools. You can tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colona, and this is Nashville. With Metro Nashville schools back in session, the concern for keeping campuses safe is a top priority for parents and school administrators. Before the break, we talked about the use of school resource officers at schools and how they impact students. Now let's talk about the greater societal issues with school safety. I'd like to introduce my next guests to help us with that. Nancy Duchesneau is a senior P-12 researcher with the Education Trust. Nancy, thank you for being with us and welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Appreciate you being here. And Sheila Jones-Calloway is a Metro Nashville juvenile court judge and adjunct law professor and former guest of the show, Judge Calloway. Thanks for being with us again. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about being back. Really glad to have you both here for this conversation in particular because you know, it's pretty deep, and there's a lot of issues to consider. I don't think it's necessarily one way to look at this, cut and dry. It's definitely not black and white, a lot of nuance. And, Nancy, you know, as before we get going, I'd, I'd really love to learn more about your area of expertise and your focus of study. Can you tell us briefly what you work on? Yeah, sure. Um, I specifically lead the content work for social, emotional, and academic development for the Education Trust. Um, that includes a multitude of issues like school climate, uh, including school discipline and school safety, um, relationship building, all of the things that, um, you know, when, when students go to school, of course, we want them to learn academics, reading, writing, and math. Uh, but they also learn how to build relationships. They learn how to handle conflicts and uh, manage time. And all of these things are so intertwined with their academic learning. Uh, and so I study and provide recommendations on how to create school environments that are inclusive and supportive of that development. Mm. Now, in our previous segment, we heard from a high school student. Did, did anything Israel said stand out to you? Oh my gosh, everything Israel said stood out to me. Uh, he's, he's amazing. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's always a great thing to see a student building relationships with adults in schools. Um, I think, you know, uh, if I were to counter, um, 
I do think that there are other adults in the school that are better trained to build those relationships with students um, who are already understaffed within schools across the country, including Tennessee and Nashville in particular, including school counselors, school psychologists, restorative justice coordinators. Um, and so it's great. I love that he built this beautiful relationship with this SRO, um, but I would love to see the schools having stronger adults in the building who are meant for that. You know, we got a tweet from Agnes Purdy, an MNPS parent, Angus, pardon me, Purdy, an MS, and an MNPS parent who says that SROs do not really belong in schools. He says this, quote, in between 1999 and 2018, among all schools that experienced a shooting, the number of injuries and deaths was two and a half times higher in schools with SROs. That tweet comes with a link from to a 2020 study from the Yukon Center for Education Policy Analysis. Nancy, does this line up with your research? Yes, it, it lines up with a vast amount of research on this issue. Um, you know, I think Jonathan uh, in the last segment really spoke to this, but um, SROs have been known to do quite a bit of harm in strengthening the school to prison pipeline. Um, and in fact, have not really been shown to improve school safety uh, and violent crime actually increases with SRO presence and arrests for minor offenses that really should be handled by school administrators uh, increase. And Judge Calloway, in your professional opinion, how do you feel about SROs? So in my professional opinion, I'm a little torn on how I feel about SROs. I have to say that you know, coming into this profession many years ago, um, the role of the SRO is different than what it looks now. And, you know, if I can think about, you know, when Columbine happened way back when, and that's really when the SRO, you know, things started, it was more about, you know, going in and really feeling like police were there to just arrest people. Mm -hmm. And over the years, that um, attitude has changed significantly. Um, particularly, I can say working with um, the Metro Police Department here, and at least the last um, couple of years, we've worked b both with um, First Lieutenant Jason Proctor and now J Lieutenant Jason Picanzo um, with helping to train the SROs and helping them to understand what their role should be, that they should not, um, you know, <laughs> as um, Jonathan Bracco mentioned earlier, that they they are there for support, for security around the building, but not for discipline issues. And so a lot of times you were having SROs that were in the building, and if it was a fight, and then they were jumping in, and things would escalate, and kids would get arrested, and yes, that would start the school-to-prison pipeline. But if you step back and you recognize that this is not our role. This is not why we're here. We're here to make sure that the building is safe, that no one's coming in the building to harm our children. Um, and you're recognizing that it's not our role to arrest disciplinary issues, mm -hmm. that that should be left up to the school. Then I think that the role, the having SROs for safety only um, is not a bad idea. How often do you see or hear of cases where students are arrested by an SRO? So anecdotally, and I was trying to see if we could look up some numbers now, um, that the number of students who are arrested has decreased a lot in the last couple of years. Um, Metro National Public Schools was part of the PASSAGE initiative 
which is Positive and Safe Schools Advancing Greater Equity, where we got a um, grant from the Amberg Society. We only got that grant because of our horribly um, unequal dis- disparities in our race of people who were getting suspended and expelled mm. and arrested from schools. And that's why we got the money. So it's to primarily do that students of color. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so um, since that study came out and since we got the grant, we have um, been very intentional about working with the SROs, working with the principals um, as a group, providing more restorative practices in each of the schools, providing, you know, safe zones, places where youth can de-escalate and not be in fear of getting arrested. And the numbers of people who've gotten arrested have definitely um, gone down, decreased significantly. Um, I would like it to be zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know hopefully one day we'll get there. Um, but as long as, you know, the SROs absolutely understand what their role is and that there's a difference from being a disciplinary, which has to come from the school and actually making an arrest. Um, you know, there is a law that says that they should not be arresting for misdemeanor offenses. And so if it's a misdemeanor offense, which includes your simple assaults, which includes your disorderly conducts, which we were, you know, years ago in the court system, we were seeing lots of cases of youth being arrested for disorderly conduct mm. or for simple assault, where the statute clearly says that should be a, a case where a child gets a citation and not an arrest. And so once, you know, the SROs understand what that role is and what it should be, then I think you're we're doing a better job. So, you know, we're looking at 24 years since Columbine. So 24 years of having SROs in our school system, not just in Nashville, but nationwide. And it feels to me that uh, you alluded to this, Rachel Kessner, sent us in a tweet that, you know, we may have instituted SROs a little too quickly. We threw them in there as a knee-jerk reaction to dealing with the horrific events of a school shooting, as our country is prone to do. However, we didn't think fully or thoroughly enough about who we were putting into this situation. What type of effect? I'd like to hear from both both of you, uh, you and Nancy, Judge Calloway. What type of effect is that having on the simple fact of having our education system work well? I think it has a, a huge effect. And, you know, for me, there are so many youth that I work with who are absolutely traumatized and triggered by just the sight of someone in a police uniform. And it wasn't until recently that we even thought about that. And so you have youth that are going into the system thinking are going into the school, hoping that this is their safe place, hoping that, you know, this is a place where um, they can, you know, retreat from whatever it is that they, the trauma that they deal with in their neighborhoods and they're going and they're encountering at the time police officers who were being police officers in the school. And it was traumatizing to our students. And so it literally was open the floodgates to the, the um, school to prison pipeline. And I definitely think that over the years, the police have, have learned um, that this is not the type of atmosphere or the type of um, response we should have. We definitely should have thought about that 20-something years ago mm-hmm. and thought about how we are you know, militarizing our schools when that's not the, the thing that they need. You know, Nancy, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I, I wish I could be as optimistic. Um, but, you know, I, I think we still see a number of cases happening 
um, across the country, including in Tennessee, where uh, police officers are doing real concrete harm to students um, in terms of their social and emotional development, as well as uh, in terms of, uh, as, as she mentioned, uh, opening the floodgates for the school to prison pipeline. Just earlier this year in January, there was a student in Tennessee who uh, was arrested for um, getting into an argument with a teacher uh, and is and had to face criminal charges of disorderly conduct and resisting arrest and assault. Um, and so I think, you know, the I, I understand like the desire to think about SROs as um, a solution for safety. And uh, I, I do applaud um, the efforts to kind of put guardrails around their use uh, in order to prevent the harm that they have done over the past uh, years. But I also think, you know, the research shows that they're actually not very effective at school safety, um, at preventing violence. And, and I think a, a big part of that is when you think about how violence happens, especially things like gun violence and school shootings, um, there's a pathway to that violence. It doesn't it doesn't happen with the snap of your finger. It starts with a grievance and then it escalates to an ideation and then it escalates and escalates and escalates until someone actually attacks and causes violence. Um, and so when you think about putting an SRO or, or a lot of these other uh, approaches to harden schools against external threats like metal detectors and surveillance, um, you know, they, they address or attempt to intervene at the end of that pathway. But at that point, it's honestly just a bit too late. Um, there's already an attack planned, there's an attack happening. Um, and so if we really want safe schools, what we have to do is address what's happening much, much earlier in that pathway. Um, and, and that really starts with addressing the school climate and making an inclusive place. Uh, where students feel like they belong, feel like they matter, feel like they have good relationships. And I understand it's it's much easier to point to an SRO and say, look, I'm doing what I'm what I can to keep your kids safe, than it is to point to the relationship building practices and the restorative practices. But those are the things that really keep kids safe and create safe schools. You know, I understand what you're saying, but I think it comes down to the schools. I I taught at different schools throughout my life and career and the schools all had their own different approaches to discipline, but also schools across the country, schools in Nashville are funded differently. There's no, there's not, I don't necessarily think, can we have a blanket approach? Like, what are some alternative solutions? I'd like to hear from you both, Nancy, starting with you. What are all alternative solutions that, that we can turn to to create safer school environments? Yeah, so... Uh, a lot of the research shows that one, making sure that you have the right staff in the building, including things like school counselors, school psychologists, or story of justice coordinators, making sure that the, all of the adults in the building have sufficient training on a lot of the things that actually Jonathan mentioned earlier, like de-escalation, uh, like conflict resolution, and supporting students' uh, social-emotional learning. Um, and then on top of that, making sure that you know the, the discipline practices that are used are more about restoring relationships rather than punishing or excluding students. So um, when students have conflicts, it's it really should be about uh, how to handle that conflict in a way that's supportive of, of everyone involved uh, and helps those kids learn 
how to address conflicts again in the future, uh, rather than having things then escalate to a point of, of um, violence. Judge Calloway? I completely agree with everything Nancy said. It's about the building relationships. It's about restoring people. Um, you know, when I think about what you go to school for, you go to school to learn and you go to school to grow. And when we are not giving them the tools on learning and learning is not just about what's in the books. It's also about learning how to behave. It's learning about how to interact with each other and to learning how to build relationships. And so what we do as a society, we say you come from, we don't know where you come from. We haven't made this relationship with you. We don't know what's going on in your home, but you come into our school. You have to act this way. You have to act that way. And if you don't, we'll figure out a way to get rid of you mm. from our, from our learning process. Cause you're destroying mm. the learning process for all the other kids. That's not the way we should approach schools. And I, I'm glad that Dr. Battle and her team has absolutely embraced the idea about social-emotional learning. Um, we partner with Alignment Nashville. And so in our schools now, there is definitely a more focus on building those relationships, restoring, and making sure that we have restorative practices. And that's whether... You have the, you know, restoration room where youth can go when they need to de-escalate. It's, you know, addressing the issues that that youth may have. And you never know what goes on. And, you know, from the court system, we see the what happened beforehand. We see the trauma that the children have gone through. Mm -hmm. We see the domestic violence in the homes. We see the, you know, um, parents who have... Um, mental health issues or who have drug and alcohol issues and how that affects that youth. And when they go into the school system, they're not going to always comply with the rules because of what they're dealing with out in their community, in their home. And until we get to a point as a community, as a society that we care about each other and we care about what happens um, and that we're not just about making you know, little robots that follow everything that we do, mm -hmm. then we're not going to do better, and SROs aren't going to be the answer either. It's definitely a question of what we value and our moralities. When I was a teacher, taught a third-grade student who came with a reputation from second grade, come to find out he was taking care of his younger siblings before school and after school and on weekends. I want to thank you all for this conversation. It's definitely not the last time we're going to have it. My guests were Nancy Ducheno, the senior P-12 researcher with the Education Trust and Judge Juvenile Court Judge Sheila Jones Calloway, again, thank you both for being with us. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Magnolia McKay and Alexis Marshall. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Michaela Elias is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special, special thanks and shout out to Nina Cardona. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekeluna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody and be good to each other.